MSW Media. What's up, everybody? This is Justin Silver, comedian, actor, podcast host, Dog Whisperer, and you are listening to What We're Drinking with Dan Dunn. Well, pour yourself a glass, sit for a spill. It's time to have some fun. Let's do a little thinking, some picking and a drinking. But this is what we're drinking with and done. Just gets me every time. Kalai King, everybody. The vocal stylings of Kalai King. That's right, I am Dan Dunn, and this is what we're drinking with Dan Dunn, and what I'm drinking is red wine. I'm not sure what red wine it is because I um, didn't pay attention when I opened it up. But I think it's the good stuff. It's got to be the good stuff. So this is Thanksgiving, and this episode of the show is going to be all about things we're thankful for here at what we're drinking with Dan Dunn. And in just a little bit, I'm going to introduce some guests, and I'm very thankful that they're here. But let me tell you right up front, I'm very, first and foremost, I'm thankful to you for listening. This is only our 25th episode since we lost in June, uh, and the listener numbers keep growing and growing. It was like 11 a couple weeks ago, then it was 12, and we jumped to like 16 fucking listeners last week. So thank you for that. If you get a chance to uh, give us a rating or a review on the intranets, wherever you listen to podcasts, I'd appreciate that. I'd also appreciate you telling people about the show. Um, what else am I thankful for? I'm, th- you know, I'm thankful for the guests. We've had a ton of great guests so far on uh, on what we're drinking since we started. And I, I went and I put together a little a little roundup of some of the guests, and I left some out because I don't like them, but. These are some of the people that I really enjoyed having on the show, and and here's our little roundup of that. How's it? It's Neil Everett from ESPN. You're listening to What We're Drinking. This is best-selling author Joel Stein. We've got BK Brian Kelly and Tyler Hubbard, also known as the duo Florida-Georgia line. Well, I'm from Georgia, and he's from Florida, but we... We met in Tennessee. We we met in Nashville. Well, we met on eHarmony. Tiffany Thiessen, how are you? I'm good. I'm good. How are you? I'm doing great. It's always good to see you. And same, same. To the man himself, Kenny Chesney. Very exciting time in my life and um, something that has been a vision of mine for a while. Hey, everybody. This is Ed Kowalczyk from the band Live, and you're listening right now to the second best voice from Pennsylvania. To come full circle like we have and be playing at the level that we're playing and having the fun that we're having... Everybody's just like, pinch me. Very, very, very thrilled to welcome Nathaniel Rateliff. The Night Sweats idea was just kind of like me in my attic. I didn't even know it was ever going to be a record than anybody that saw the light of day. So I'm here with Matthew McConaughey. How are you, buddy? I'm good, man. I said, like, could you throw a few stalks of sugar cane in there? He's like, hell no, I can't. I go, I know you can't, but... My old pal, Adam Corolla Ace, how are you? 
You don't know why I've continued to do your shows, or I you don't know why you love me. Pull, I think you're just going to pull the ring and just go, you know what? I've had enough of this fucking shit. But maybe it's the alcohol. Must be that. I don't have a very high threshold for like what I'll do and what I'll not do. <laughs> Hi, this is Kurt Russell. Listen, I escaped from New York, but I couldn't get the hell out of Dan Dunn's happy hour. Please send help. Dita Von I'm not trying to shock anybody. I'm trying to change people's minds about what it is to be a stripper. Me too, sister. Speaking of strippers, uh, on the show right now, he, he's got abs, man. This guy has abs. He's got like a 12-pack of abs. He's a comedian, a, an actor. He's in Hulu. He's on the High Fidelity coming on. Is it on the Hulu? Yeah, on Hulu. It's on the buddy. Hulu. He's on the Hulu soon on High Fidelity. He is a comedian. He's a host of several podcasts, including No Disrespect, Neurotica, he has uh, written uh, The Language of Dogs. He had the show Dogs in the City. He is a dog at heart, but in the very sweetest way. He's like a Labrador. He's one of those kind of dogs. And I am also proud to call him a friend, Justin Silver. Oh, I'm proud to be your friend, Dan. Man, it's good to see you, brother. Always good to see you. All right, you. let's skip over you now. Thank and you. get to the real guest. Uh, she is so much bigger than Justin. Uh, <laughs> and I mean that in the nicest way. If Justin were a Labrador, she's a Great Dane. She's wow. a Great Dane humping a Great Dane. She's the she's the Great Dane on top of the other Great I'm Dane. I'm the Labrador holding the video yeah, camera yes, while that's happening. Yes. Okay. She, she's got some podcasts, too. She's got one called The Voices in Our Heads, which she does all by herself. And then she's got one that she co-hosts called Guys We Fucked, which I'm going to assume is with Guys She Fucked. I don't know. No. There's a woman on there. Who's the woman on the show? There? Corinne Fisher. That's her. And uh, she's going to be doing comedy all over the place. She just came back from San Diego to join us. She's going to be at the Helium Comedy Club in Philadelphia, my hometown, her hometown. Ladies and gentlemen, please give it up for Christina Hutchinson. Ho! Hi. Yeah. Such a pleasure to be here. It's so great to have you. Thanks for joining us. Thanks for having me, man. Now, you're drinking some Johnny Walker Blue. Yes. You're styling. Thank you. Yeah, I wanted a smoky. Yeah, I wanted something smoky. You're doing it. So, you guys just got back. You were in San Diego performing. Yeah. You did some sold out shows down there. It's my first time headlining by myself. So, first time doing 45 minutes, and that was that was terrifying. But it was really good. We the the audience was great. Justin crushed it. A Justin, a lot of people who come out to my live shows are mostly young, hot women. Yeah, and mm-hmm. so I'm like, I need a hot guy to warm them up. Thank Before you, I get out on stage, and he does just that. And you brought Justin. And I brought Justin. Look at you, dude. We had like a lot of said, fun. He does have a twelve. You do have a twelve pack. You have a six pack, right? Six now. Six. Now. It was twelve. I mean, after a weekend with you, Dan, it's going to be two. But you know, <laughs> <laughs> last time Justin was in town, uh, we had we imbibed. We partook. <laughs> oh yeah. We partook a little bit. I had a rough day the next day. I'll just. I'm not going to lie to you. Um, so. Christina, you're from my like the I'm from Philly. You're from Doylestown, Doylestown, which is right outside of Philly. So, did you come up in the comedy clubs in the Philadelphia area? No, uh, although that comedy scene will really work you out well. A lot of great comics have come from the Philly comedy scene, but I started when I graduated college in New York City. Okay. So I started in 2010 uh, doing bringer shows in Manhattan. Wait, bringer shows, what does that mean? So bringer shows are where you have to beg your broke friends to pay $20 cover and a two-drink minimum to come see you do five minutes of shit, and uh, maybe Jim Gaffigan will show up and make it worth it. The other word for those shows are rape. 
I think. <laughs> oh, yeah. <Yes>. <laughs> well, how's that? <laughs> they're just basically they're just <laughs> sort of like raping the vulnerabilities and the desperation of young comics just yeah. trying to get stage time. Like, yeah, yeah, sure. Fill this room with people that you know that are going to watch a shitty act for five but minutes. But how do then- you? So when you're doing that, and we've all heard the horror stories of every comedian, every successful comedian has talked about bombing and doing. What's the moment like when you, or, and I imagine it's different for everybody when you think to yourself, "Yeah, I could, I can do this." Like when you're up, the, is it? Does it happen on stage? It is happens, it- and then it goes away, and then it happens again, and then it goes away. There's an ebb and a flow to with stand up. You're gonna bomb until the day you stop doing it. So that I've learned to not be too critical about. But the first time I did it uh, ever did stand up was a bringer show. I didn't know about open mics. Wish someone <laughs> told me that. Okay. I begged. 10 friends to pay $25 cover and a two drink minimum. So is it is it a thing where if you don't get enough people there, like you, you owe them it. some yeah. money or something like yeah. that? Yeah, it's, it's kind of fucked, yeah. That's crazy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But if you're good, so really what I would recommend like a young comic do is do open mics and then a bringer show can be beneficial if, at, if it's at the right comedy club and you're better than you were when you first started. You know what I mean? Like give it a year of mics and then maybe do a bringer depending on how quickly you progress. When you when you played San Diego this weekend, how many people were in the... I was like 200 cap room, I think. We sold out Something a couple like of the shows. Yeah. A couple of shows sold out and then the other ones were close to selling out. So, Do you have a moment when you're up there and you think to yourself, you remember back to your bringer shows and you go, what the fuck am I doing here? Yep. And are you proud of yourself? Do you have that... I have been crying tears of joy all weekend uh, because of moments like that. Yeah. We were Justin and I went to the dog beach in San Diego and I was crying. I don't know what we went to tool and I was on mushrooms during it. And I think that unlocked a, a secret layer, like a secret level of my brain. It's been a crazy week. I feel like my heart is very open and very vulnerable, but in a good way. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's a, you know, I always had a, it was always interesting to me. I used to remember watching people if they won an Academy Award and they'd stand up there and they, you know, it's like the most beautiful person you've ever seen and they're bawling their eyes out and they're talking about how nobody believed them and you're kind of going, bullshit, right? Yeah. Then I moved here and I'm like, no, I get I it. Get you know, it. like, yeah. you're, you're in a, you know, and doing what you guys do, it's like you're in a, you're in a profession where, you know, you're, you're constantly being, sort of shut down right you know yeah. people aren't laughing club owners don't want you they're taking advantage of you they're doing all this and you just keep going mm-hmm. with the idea that maybe just maybe one day i'll be headlining in san diego i'll be headlining in philadelphia i'll be headlining and that's the path to get there is very difficult and most people drop out most people can't handle it yeah, yeah. I had a I, I have always been so overly optimistic with everything so I I don't know when I started out doing stand-up I originally wanted to be on Saturday Night Live that's why I moved to the city because I was like I'm gonna intern on SNL because if I intern there and I'm like very kind and not annoying and efficient they'll remember me and then I could be a page and then I could audit whatever I was like I'll, I'll intern there and then I'll audition right that's how naive I was um, and so the I I I interviewed for that position for an SNL internship three times, didn't get it. And then the last semester of my college career, because NBC won't let you intern unless it's for college credit, I interviewed for a fourth time and they said, we're sorry, but no one quits. When you get an an internship at SNL, they they intern their whole college career. They don't quit. So the woman was like, you're really great, but no one dropped out. And so I'm sorry. And I was like, that's when you got to, you got to kill somebody. Well, yeah. I was prepared outside, to you know, believe like, you hey, me. Hey, I, I think I met you. You're an intern, right? Yeah. 
how'd you like to come back to my place? Yeah. Oh, I I, I wasn't above that. Yeah. Well, but you I, could I could see you on SNL now though. Oh, is thanks. It something is it something you think about? Yes, like possibly a lot. all the time. Doing that? Are you yeah. gonna are you gonna try to score an audition there? Yeah. How does that even? Ha- I, I my you understanding send it in the reel. is. But doesn't somebody have to sort of put you up for it? Like uh, most of the guys I've heard, I was in fact I was just listening to uh, Seth Meyers recently was on uh, on Howard Stern, mm-hmm. and he was talking about how he got there, and it's like somebody recommended him. There's yeah. a there's a lot of different avenues in. They could say like our good friend Shane who got hired and then fired from it, obviously. But like yeah. he was, you know, they saw him at Just for Laughs at the New Faces show, and of course they have scouts there in the room, so they fell in love with him. And so there's a lot of little, little avenues in, but like a handshake is always the best way in. Yeah, for me, um, my uh, my manager, uh, I and my agent could probably facilitate like just getting the reel in front of the people that it needs to get in front of. So yeah. a five minute audition tape. It's funny when Seth Meyers was talking about it, I guess he got done and Lorne Michaels came up to him after the audition and shook his hand and said, you did great. What he didn't realize was like, that doesn't happen. Right? Yeah, that, I was going to say, so he never does that. That happened and it's like, so he had the job. He just didn't know it, you know, and then wow. he said he flew back to California and then he got the call saying he was on and uh, yeah, you mentioned that guy, Shane. That's a bummer, man. I, I You know, the whole thing is, so for those of you who don't know, shit, what's Shane's? Shane Gillis. Shane Gillis. Shane Gillis. Good buddy. Had made some comments on a podcast many years ago uh, that people deemed inappropriate and um, an Asian community. They were racial right? slurs. Yeah. Racial slurs. And, and I'm not defending that. But what I am saying is, and it's interesting that even President Obama came out recently and said, you know, this idea of this purity test that everybody's going to be able to, none of us are going to pass it. Correct. Like I I have nightmares about like I get a show on the air. I get some, because I've written books and I've written things and I look back at some of the things I wrote when I was young and stupid. And also not just that the climate was different. Things were different. You're a fucking human being. Yeah. And you go, Oh, the stuff I wrote then Mm -hmm. would not pass muster now, but it's even like I, I, if Steve Carell was, talking on a talk show recently he was talking about the office and he said and he's probably right he said we couldn't do that now we I, couldn't do ping we couldn't do any of even yeah, i was watching seinfeld the other day i'm like they could they did this one where it was a pakistani restaurant they was he said like you have to make it more authentic so they went over the top I'm like they could never do this now yeah it's so tough. seinfeld well with podcasts every comedian has a podcast and we all do our friends podcasts all the time and a lot of times when you're talking on a podcast you might be exploring an idea in your head about a joke and you forget there's a mic. Like, I yeah. forget half the shit I say in front of a microphone. What was like you were saying to me earlier off the air when you were talking about how you don't like... Uh, Jews? No, it was yeah. gays, blacks, Jews, and what was the other one? You were saying you hate the Jews. Asians. And oh. then Justin got so upset because uh, you are Jewish. Gay, black, and, and Jewish. You know, I, irony of all... Uh, you know, I found out I was Jewish through 23andMe. Yeah. <laughs> also so found out bad. my dad wasn't my dad. So, you know, that is... Can I circle back to something you said before? When no. you were just talking about, okay, oh, I'm yeah. going okay, to anyway. Okay, okay. Uh, we're really good friends. Uh, when you were just talking about just sort of the bumps and the ebbs and flows of when we're first starting, I think the thing that uh, that keeps comics very grounded, it keeps them going, the ability to sort of focus on your own work is also so- the solidarity of all the whole just sort of pack of comics working together. Because, for example, we went to that tool show. Out of the 10 of us, some of us are making millions of dollars. Some people are like struggling to pay their rent, but everybody's so talented in their own right. And like that whole herd is just pushing forward. And it's like the comedy, the, the comic solid, solid, what did you pour me? Have some more of that, have some more of that mezcal. <laughs> the the Ruth, comic Dave. solidarity. having Del McGay mezcal, which does impact Perfect. your ability to form 
sentences. I'm just going to drive night, home night, after Justin. this interview, and, I'll, yeah. and I'll send it in. But no, that's really the thing that I feel like keeps everybody going and your ability to just keep your focus on your own work because the industry is going to do what it's going to do. It's like <laughs> trying to find a key for a revolving door. You're like, oh, this is what's in. Oh, no, that's, this is what's I remember in. seeing Shane the night that it was announced that he got SNL and then the night that um, uh, two hours after that, all the articles came out about uh. this. And I saw him at the stand. I was with Justin and I was like, dude, because it happened to Corinne and I on a lower level, but like we were on the front page of BuzzFeed and for something that Corinne had said in 2014. And uh, and it was, and was so like, benign. I know. And, and I was like, dude, this will, don't worry about it. It'll go yeah. away. No one's going to care about it in like a week. Nope. And, he, and nope. he goes, really? And then he got fired. And I was like, oh, my bad, dude. I <laughs> next week. It'll him. go away next week. I defended him on Twitter. But it's like people think that when you're defending a comedian's ability to just say shit, you're, you're actually defending the use of a racial slur against people. And that's not, that's not. You're defending free speech. Exactly. And so, but then I got just shit on on Twitter and I deleted my account. Well, I remember I remember Pussy. when that thing, know. when it first came out, I remember thinking to myself like in Jeopardy terms, I'm like, I'll take guys who are not getting that job on Saturday Night Live <laughs> for 500. I was, as soon as I saw it, I'm like, there's no way. Yeah. Like, there's no way. Like, yep. they're going to get rid of him. He's not on the show yet. Make that problem go away. And the easiest way to do that is to just You know what him. I said? I said, you, the, the opening sketch of your next season needs to be Bowen Yang, who is a new cast member, who's an Asian guy. He's a hilarious comedian. And, and they're friends. And he needs to be, the sketch needs to be some sort of like HR type thing about yeah. where he's teaching Shane. I'm like, that's how you correct it. You, you you make everybody laugh about it and then everyone's okay and then you can move on. Yeah, well, but I feel bad for happen. him, but he's going to make it. He's going to do it. That he's doing guy great. Is, he's yeah, doing his great. His stand-up is... He's really fucking he's really funny. Good. We have a show called We're Not Banging in New York and... Yeah. Uh, he just fuck. He thought he was gonna bomb in this room because a lot of you know it's there were a lot of like you know just a lot young of chicks. Chick, young chicks there and a lot yeah. of couples there and he came out and just did this set about his sister being a heroin addict and they did an <laughs> intervention for her but they took her to Hershey Park the roller coaster park she beforehand she was having the best day of her life while she's nodding out on roller coaster dude and he just kept going into it and going into it and it was. Fucking dude, he, he, he was—he was—he just stole the show. He's awesome. Yeah, his stand-ups were really good. All right, Shane Gillis, check him out. Uh, the this is the Thanksgiving episode. Okay, I'm sorry. Things I'm thankful for. Okay, and I'm thankful that Shane Gillis still has a career. I am. Uh, one of the things I'm thankful for is my former podcast, the one before this, Drinky Fun Time. Justin was on Drinky Fun Time, uh, which I did with uh, my co-host Emma and producer Bo, that kind of launched this thing. And so I was thinking about it. I was thankful for Drinky Fun Time. And you know who the very first guest was, Christina, on Drinky Fun Time? Who? Anthony Bourdain. <gasps> oh. And I've been thinking about Bourdain lately, and I just thought, you know what? It's Thanksgiving. I'm thankful that I got a chance to talk to that dude who's one of the coolest motherfuckers ever lived. And here's a little bit of that, a little tiny bit of that snippet of a teeny iota piece snippet, Colonel. They, they don't put up a lot of bullshit. Now with scotch, how do you enjoy your scotch? First, do you? Uh... I'm sure there are many people who don't like it when I say it, but ordinary, unless it's something really, you know, rare and high end, like this, I'll, I'll put a rock or two in. Okay. Most of the time, not always. Sometimes I'll take it neat. It should be. I understand it should be enjoyed neat. Yeah. Um, especially uh, whiskey of this quality, but. <laughs> Generally speaking, I'll put like maybe one cube in. Okay. Open, it seems to open it up a little in a way that I like. And uh, really depends on my mood. Okay. What about uh, 
aged. You know, right here we have a 14-year-old. We're getting over 23 years or the ton. Yeah. Uh, I'm, I'm doing that meat. You want that Do you prefer, would you Would you prefer a, a 25-year-old to a 12-year-old? Some people like them younger. Uh, it depends. You know, it depends which, uh, you know, I'm not a, an expert uh, or, or a collector or, uh, by any means. I, I'm relatively new to Scotch, I'm learning as I go, and I'm learning surrounded by some really great people. Dave Stewart has pretty much taught yeah. me everything I know, and that's not much. It's a good guy to learn. I've from. been drinking a lot of really good scotch, but as far as my you know my all time favorite, my preferences, um, it really it get it's situational. It kind of freaks me out listening to Bourdain, man. He was such a cool dude, and I am thankful that I got to. You're right over there, Christina. Getting a little yeah, no, I just oh, yeah. yeah, I loved Anthony. Bourdain. He was the best, man. He was the best. So. Other things that I'm thankful for this year is some of the spirits that I have had. This is a drinking show. This is what we're drinking. Tell us. It's not what we're bitching about life as a comedian. It's what we're drinking. Don't look at me and blame me. Americans first learned about to kill the same way this great nation learns about most things through war. 1821, Mexico won its independence from Spain, and then in 1836, a bunch of folks in what was then northern Mexico decided they should have their own country, too. Greedy. Santa Ana sent an army to put down the Texas Rebellion, and things got ugly. Remember the Alamo? Justin, remember the Alamo? Yeah, yeah. Any case, as Mexican troops streamed north to fight, they brought a steady supply of their beloved agave spirit, some of which inevitably ended up in the hands of Texan soldiers who 10 years later would start calling themselves Americans. Yeah. So tequila. So some of the tequilas I like, you're, you've got mezcal. You're doing the mezcal, right? Yes. So tequilas that we've had on the show this year, tequila Fortaleza Blanco, still strength, no two ways about it. When it comes to the world's tastiest tequilas, Fortaleza belongs in conversation wouldn't you agree Christina? Mm-hmm. yes absolutely yes. we don't have any here I, I, there is some in the house but i didn't think ahead to pour it i should have happens the brand's most recent expression is called still strength it's 60 bucks a bottle it was only available at the distillery it's 46 percent alcohol by volume the they cook the agave in brick ovens they stone crush it you know the old school stuff like old school method of doing this uh they mix it with spring water and then they do some open air whoa hear that open air fermentation uh which means you know what that means it means the the big vat that they fermented in is open and there's air above open air then they distill it twice and uh it's in a copper pot still it's one of my favorite tequilas tequila fortaleza blanco go get it and then one more to tell you about before we get back to uh christina and justin's tales whatever it is they're talking about session session blanco sorry is that see i could lose see they could somebody could drag this up and say hey he's fucking appropriating appropriating this spanish language and doing it well by the way yeah session blanco yeah, right. Yeah. You can't even tell. This was launched in Australia, mate. <laughs> <laughs> all right, in 2015. Tell us about it. Se- all right, right, right. Uh, is that yeah? Session arrived in the U.S. in 2018. So there, again, Aussies they made this. They found some tequila making partners in Mexico, and one of them was the Beckman family. Beckman, the Beckman Zone, a brand you might have heard of called Jose Cuervo. Ah. Uh. 
And uh, yeah, so they made this Session Blanco. It's 43 bucks a bottle. Light, fresh, spicy, citrus, green pepper. I like it. And I would pour you some again had I had the foresight to do that. Um, so wait, let's get back to comedy. Okay. Your next show is in Philly? That's could, my your agent couldn't show. get you in something. In <laughs> well, we wanted to test the waters uh, with with a headlining weekend, and I wanted to go here because it's warm. And so, based off of that, we already booked the Philadelphia one, but I wanted it to be a couple months later just to see. Because if this if no one came to these shows, I would have been pissed if we scheduled a lot more. <laughs> and they did. They came out yeah, big. Justin, what about you, man? What do you got going on? Uh, when's well, the When's the Hulu thing come on? Oh, What's High Fidelity called? comes out in February. You got to make out with. Zoe Kravitz. I did. How was that? Let's talk about that. In yeah. Depth. In depth. I haven't talked about this. Uh, fun, interesting, and also a little bit weird because she was getting married the week after, so I kept it very profesh. No tongue? A little maybe, but Ooh. like not like... Uh, well, that's good. Yeah. No one wants <laughs> yeah, that. Yeah, I didn't go... <laughs> it's the wrong it like lips that, to but do it that was, one uh, It was interesting. It was interesting. Yeah. Uh. You listen to this? Were you thinking about this when you were doing it? Like, no, but when we heard it in the car, yeah, there you go. I made out with his daughter. American woman. And then I was like, what? what is it like to have a dad who's so hot? Yeah. You know? And you then a stepdad is so hot. And then and be so hot. And a stepdad, there's the two of the hottest so men in the world. So who would you, if you had to pick one? Jason. Momoa? Oh my God, yes. Over Lenny Kravitz. 100%. But Lenny is one of the most beautiful people ever. Jason, I just, he... Does it for me in a way. Okay. I don't really have crushes on celebrities. Is there a woman guy. he doesn't do it for, though? I don't think so. No, I don't think so. He does it for me. <laughs> and he's nice. Oh, so God. you want to meet? Did you meet him? No, I didn't meet him. But I got to tell you, she like she is unbelievable just in terms of like how much, what a creative force she was on that on that on that project and just how she was basically running the whole thing. They had music playing throughout every different scene. So like you know as true to the the original high fidelity the music sort of set the tone and was almost a character throughout throughout the production but she, you know as the, she would just do it on the fly to be like all right you know what song sort of fits what we're doing here and she would just come up with a few and she just really ran that production and there was a lot of things because you know network was still kind of you know big brothering the whole thing and we had some edgy stuff written and she was uh one of the main writers on it and wrote some really, really smart lines and they were battling about it. They were like, ah, can we soften this here? Can we soften this there? And she would like fight for stuff and I was like, wow, this chick's like, she fucking, she's a boss, man. Yeah. She was great to work with. You know, I worked with recently. Who? Um, guy down at the coffee shop. <gasps> Steve. Are you serious? Sexy motherfucker. Yeah, no. Wow. I don't work. Um, Christina, have you done much TV, television? I have done, I've done like stand up on TV. I did this like storytelling show. This is not happening on Comedy Central. That was fun. But I've done, I was in Master of None for, I had one line and I was sitting on a toilet for it. Very proud of that. No kidding. I swiped over Aziz Ansari's dating app profile and I said, nope. Damn. And I was like, two take Tina. They only need two takes. Do you think he's funny? I think he's funny. Aziz Ansari. Justin doesn't look at his like. I liked his first special. I thought it was really good. Who's the funniest like really famous comedian, uh, Louis. Nate. He's really good. He's okay. good. I mean, don't you know? Nate. Don't hold people hostage in their hotel room and jerk off in front of them. But he's a really great yes. stand-up. Those are separate Bill. categories, you know. Bill Burr. Bill's great. Nate. Chappelle. 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 Attell. Attell. Yeah, Dave Chappelle. All the else. The, yeah. Attell. Dave Chappelle. Attell. 
We just used did a brilliant job on that what? acting thing we just did. Christina. Oh wrote, yeah, I I made a movie. Ahead. I made a movie this summer. You did a short film. I I I find it, I like I wrote it. I started it. I paid for it, and I was very proud. I'm very proud of it. Is really it going to come out? Somewhere? Yeah, we're submitting it to festivals. So Tribeca. Uh, what's, it, what's it called? It's called Dwell, and it's basically about peeling yourself off the floor after a, a breakup, after like a decade, almost decade long relationship, and learning how to walk again. Huh. I wouldn't know. No one will date me for more than a couple of weeks. Oh, really? Well, no, I'm just joking. Okay. Um, so, what are you thankful for? Because this is our Thanksgiving. Oh this is our Thanksgiving. Yeah, obviously, you're thankful for your so what just happened in San Diego. Yeah. You're thankful. I mean, being I'm, here. Yeah. Clearly, I mean, you're loving this. Uh, what else are you thankful for? I'm thankful for go deep. I'm no. thankful for having a fan base. I'm thankful for. Um, I'm thankful for my upbringing. I had a rough. Uh, I've, I was one of those kids that uh, there's a lot of childhood trauma in my early years, and so, but that's really shaped who I am, and it's given me this sense of empathy that I'm realizing not everybody has. So I'm thankful for that, and that that in turn gives me patience, and yeah, and my sense of optimism. It's overly naive uh, and overly optimistic, but I like it. Yeah, it's how I function. It beats the uh, alternative, right? Because mm-hmm. like, then you just kind of oh, give yeah. up. Who wants to give up? Yeah. Speaking of giving up, Justin, you, what are you thankful for? I'll, be, I'll give you this honestly, right? Yeah. Three years ago, after I broke up with my ex-girlfriend and I was circling the drain in Los Angeles, living a mile away from here, and I was like, holy shit, life just fucking kerplunked on me. And in that very living room, we put beloved Pacino down. Yes. Mm-hmm. Right? I packed up went back to New York and started everything over to like just forget about all the dog TV shows and just do comedy again and sort of try to get my life on track. And three years later now, I couldn't be more grateful for the fact that the people who were just extra baggage in my life are no longer. There's nothing but amazing, talented, creative uh, progressive people in my life, a family that I love to death, a thing, things that I wake up and love to do every single day from comedy to podcasting to the work that I do do with dogs and the fact that I can come back here. You and I have maintained one of my best friendships and I'm just like, you know, I wake up in the morning, I'm like, I'm fucking smiling and there's like my anxiety and depression. Like that's just like, you know, if it's there, it's a blip on the radio or screen and it's like appropriately placed because of whatever circumstantial thing that would naturally cause that and then it passes in three hours. So there you go. That's the best it's going to get. God damn it. I can't even make a snide comment about well, that. Well, Justin and I have been so hanging sincere. out a lot lately. Yeah, yeah. And I he, meant it. We look at each other and we're like, man, our life fucking rules. Yeah. yeah. This is so fun. We just get to play. Yeah. I think, you know, we get paid especially, in, especially in these times, not to get political, and I won't get political, but I mean, things are... Vote Trump 2020. I'm sorry. <laughs> exactly. Uh, is that, oh, that's how we were going to say. I'm sorry. I didn't you know, mean that either. Things sometimes seem, the world seems a little bit crazier than it ever did before. And, and, and I have those moments as well where I wake up and I think, ah, oh, you know, Jesus, like you got shit coming at you from all corners. But then I stop and I think about that I'm doing this and I'm writing books and I'm doing all these other things and I've got such a great circle of friends. And more importantly, I have like 700 bottles of alcohol in my house. And you have $700 in your bank account, Dan. Like We could have so much fun with that. That's a good night out for for an hour. Wrong. So I would also, that's a good, uh, to a final thing I'm thankful for before we bring this thing home, is the margarita. And the reason I'm going to bring up the margarita is it's about to be the 100th anniversary of the margarita. 
depending on which origin story you believe. So I know Christina was asking me about it before we came on. I'm like, all right, fine. Fine, I'll give you the timeline. Thank you. All right. So right around 1920, millions of future spring breakers were spared the ravages of scurvy when a bartender at the Turf Bar in Tijuana accidentally used tequila instead of gin to make a daisy, and the margarita was born. Wow. 1920. 1938, Tijuana restaurant owner Carlos Herrera served a Ziegfeld showgirl, a combination of lime juice, tequila, and salt, and the endless debate over who invented the margarita was born. 1945, Jose Cuervo launched an ad campaign with the slogan, Margarita, it's more than a girl's name. <laughs> Pizza makers worldwide lament missed opportunity. 1948, an American socialite named Margaret Sames claims it was she and not some Mexican bartender who invented the drink. And somewhere in Queens, a fair-haired scion of a real estate empire stirs in his crib. Yes. 1952, Mabel Stegner publishes the book Electric Blender Recipes. It was co-written by Tom Wolfe, Electric Blender Recipes, containing the first ever instructions for making a frozen cocktail. 1953, the first known publication of a margarita recipe appears in the December issue of Esquire magazine. It called for an ounce of tequila, a dash of triple sec, and the juice of half a lime or lemon. But who puts lemon in the margarita? I don't know anybody. Just lime, yeah. 1971, inspired by 7-Eleven Slurpee dispensers, a young Texas restaurateur named Mariano Martinez invents the world's first frozen margarita machine. 1977, Jimmy Buffett consumes too many margaritas, loses prized salt shaker, writes hit song about it. 1990, at Tommy's Mexican restaurant in San Francisco, Julio Barmejo begins serving margaritas made with agave nectar. The Tommy's Margarita becomes an instant sensation. 2009, on the first ever National Margarita Day, adult beverage lovers across America contemplate whether calling in sick to celebrate a fake booze holiday means they're alcoholics. <laughs> 2011, the Flamingo Hotel's Margaritaville Casino in Las Vegas establishes a Guinness World Record for the largest margarita ever made. 8,500 gallons of grog served in a 17-foot-tall tank. If you were to order that, it definitely means you're an alcoholic. And finally, in 2019, when asked by BuzzFeed News to name the key ingredient in a margarita, a teetotaling U.S. senator in 2020 presidential hopeful answers vodka. And the Cory Bookerita was born. <laughs> there you go. Thank you. Thank you. Bravo. The history of the margarita. Wow. Right? The definitive history, by the way. All yeah. of that is completely. How do you true. like it? The margarita? Mm -hmm. So, had I planned ahead, I would have made a margarita as well. See. What I think I'm also thankful for is you learn as you go. Oh, yeah. So now what I'm learning is when I talk about things on the air, I should have them. 100%. So we can try them. Live and you learn. Can you imagine the dialogue that would be happening right now had I fucking made a margarita? I could. You'd be like, look at this. Yeah. Now we can talk about it. Now we but can. But instead, you're stuck with this Johnny Walker Blue. In fact, you're not. You that I gulped that down. Shit. You really nailed it, huh? Man. Whiskey gal. Oh, we got some more. What's this? Oh, we got mezcal. mezcal. Oh, it is. Producer, producer Cece handing us some mezcal. Hold Thank on. What is it? 
There you go. Try that. Oh, I don't. Okay. Oh, that's cool. Is that the same one I have? That'll put air on your chest. Yeah. How do you like your margarita? I got it right here. Oh, wow. I didn't think I could really sip tequila straight, but that's I can. Me- that's mezcal, though. Yeah. yeah. Wow. That's good. But what's the difference? It's the region. What am I hallucinating? What's the What's the difference between mezcal and tequila? Yes, I think listeners want to know. Tequila has a, te- tequila can only be made from one kind of agave called the Blue Weber agave. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's all the same thing. Mezcal was the original thing. Tequila became a category in and of itself because the best mezcal was being made in the tequila region. They decided to create their own denomination of origin, call it tequila, and then they created rules for what could be, and the main, the, the number Hasidics one. The Hasidics of the mezcals. The number one, <laughs> the number one rule was that it has to be made from only one type of agave. This mezcal can be made from, there's like 150 different types of mezcal they can use to make, uh, of agave, excuse me, they can use to make mezcal. So that's the main difference. Far more palatable than tequila. What's going on over here? Sorry, we have some trouble here in the studio. Uh, oh, yes, the mezcal has a smokier flavor, and part of that is how they make it. What they often do is they cook the agave underground. So they dig pits, and they put the agave in there, and they bake it underground with like hot coals around it. Mm. That gives it that really sort of smoky flavor that you're getting there with mm-hmm. that mezcal. Smooth, yeah. though. Very. Smoky, smooth. So uh, anything else uh, you want to say, Christina? Oh, Jesus. I said it all. Come on. Sorry, my gas is really bad. Justin, what about you? I think you probably got something. I'll just give you a plug. I'm sorry. Go ahead. It's... Fuck off, Dan. (laughs) (laughs) Nothing. I'm sorry. No, I didn't mean it. (laughs) I'm just going to get drunk in the corner and cry. (laughs) Oh, the ghost of my dog is running around this apartment somewhere. Oh, somewhere. (laughs) All right, all right, all right. So I want to thank Christina Hutchinson and Justin Silver. I want to thank all the guests that I've had on the show uh, this year. Not that we're done. I'm not done. I think I got to do another one next week. This shit's gotten (laughs) fucking crazy. But yeah, I'm not done. But it's Thanksgiving. And uh, I want to thank our friend Maynard James Keenan for having these guys have one of the best nights of their lives oh my god on mushrooms yep in Brooklyn mm-hmm. Maynard if you're out there you're making people happy this is what we're drinking with Dan Dunn check out Christina Hutchinson what's your uh, what's the uh, social media it's at Christina Hutch but it's K-R-Y-S-T-Y-N-A on all the things did you get beat up in Doylestown a lot by no, but spelling I cut, your name that way? No, I got a lot of stank looks from teachers, though. Okay. Christina Dollar Sign. Yeah. What about you, Silver? At I am Justin Silver on everything. I'm just going to zone out the tool, baby. I am at the Imbiber, T-H-E-I-M-B-I-B-E-R. See you next week. <laughs>